there, so I don't know how um, you probably pick up on this because you guys are way smarter than me. But every Sunday, Nick, for the most part, nine times out of ten, starts us with a song that just kind of praises God, praises Jesus, makes much of him. And then that second song will kind of bring us into a moment where it's like, all right, let's slow down and let's, in light of who God is, let's worship Jesus. And then by that third song, it's like our hearts finally feel like we're good. Like, I don't know if, it's, if you're like this. It takes me like 15 minutes, right? Because I come in, I'm caffeinated, I'm excited to see you. And it takes like 15 minutes, but probably one of my favorite moments of the week, every week, is that the last song, when all of our hearts tend to be pretty like locked in, when at the very end, like today I went over and hid behind Drew, behind that wall, and like I just listened to you sing, and I stopped singing, and I listened to you sing, and to hear you sing, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow, man, that... Well, if, if my week gets better than hearing you sing that, like, I can't imagine how good this week is going to be. So uh, thank you. I love journeying with you. And it, when Nick was calling us to forgiveness, I even thought about a quote that I heard a long time ago. The best of men are men at best. The best of men are men at best. And, um, and that's just true for humanity, not just us as males, though. Uh, man, we certainly live down to that often, you know. But man, A, thank God for Jesus' death on the cross. And B, the hard work of church is that we have to be a reconciliation community in the midst of our brokenness. And so there will be times that we have to go to one another and say, you really wronged me. And it hurt me. It disappointed me. And I, I just want to say personally, like, thank you for the times that, so, that you, some of you have done that in grace, in a spirit of grace, because I do not get it right all the time. Uh, not even close. Not even close. And so uh, we do those things together. And the gift of being a church is not that we come and just hear a Bible talk. Otherwise, it's just a Bible talk, right? And some Jesus songs. The gift of being the church is that we do this thing together. We grow together. We live on mission together. And we even look at one another sometimes and we go, whew, life and faith are hard. Will you just be praying for me this week? Or, whew, life and faith are hard. Will you just hold my hand and just pray for me right now? And sometimes, whew, life and faith are hard. Will you just hold my hand and journey with me? Like, and that's church. And that's why we do church in response to who Jesus is and what he's done. And all that was free. And none of that was on my notes. So um, let's go. Exodus 20. If you've got a Bible, turn to Exodus 20. If you've got a phone Bible, maybe that makes it a little bit easier. Uh, we're starting a new series today called Not So Fast. Um, not So Fast. Uh, the world is reopening. And some of you have already come to me and said, you know what? I really like that last 18 months. Like Mark Ebert and I have talked about this. He is like, it has been really nice to be at home with the kids and life having a different rhythm and pace, right? So many of you have said like, Oh, I don't know what the next six months are going to hold, but I am nervous about what they're going to hold, right? And so I want us to frame our lives within the idea that maybe we don't have to actually go as fast and our hearts don't have to be as fast-paced as our culture sort of tells us that we have to be. We are the people of God. We are a different people. We have a different master. And so this series is going to be looking at the idea of Sabbath and rest and trust and peace. 
Now, as a kid, I'll tell you, Sunday with my family, because Harriet Sanders was my grandmother, and Harriet Sanders did not even play cards on Sunday. Like, we didn't do hardly anything. Sunday was a day of rest, and here's what it always included. It began with church, Sunday school at 9.30 a.m., church at 11, and then we would go to my grandmother's house on, and grandfather's house on Hallwood Circle, and my grandmother would make meals Sunday after Sunday that I can still taste to this day. Like, literally the gold standard for several items that I will eat is my grandmother's cooking from 35 years ago when I was a little kid. Every Sunday there would be a big meal. Then my brother Jason and I would go out and we would play in the front yard, usually wiffle ball, and uh, the adults would nap. And man, my granddad could snore with the best of them on a Sunday afternoon. I can still hear him snoring. And our world would shut down every single Sunday. Just shut down. Just shut it down. My mom was a single mom, worked three jobs. And Sunday was a, a day that it shut down. Now, imagine my surprise at age six when I needed a new pair of shoes and my granddad took me to the mall. I didn't even know that the mall was open on Sunday. The Baskin-Robbins wasn't open on Sunday at the mall. Like, in those days, I guess people still, some businesses still took off. Uh, I was so mad that my wiffle ball time was going to be interrupted. But I was shocked that the mall, that J.C. Penney's and Belt Matthews and Sears were open on a Sunday afternoon. I had no idea. I thought the church was literally the only thing that was open on Sunday in Macon, Georgia in the early 1980s. Imagine my delight at age nine when I found out that Toys R Us was open on Sunday. Now, I remember I had a cousin. She didn't love Jesus. And so she took us one Sunday to get some baseball cards at Toys R Us. I was about nine or ten years old. There was an entire big box store on, that was open on Sunday to sell stuff to kids. Once, my, like, it was like Dorothy stepping out into Oz. Like, the world was now in color. There were things that I did not know could be bought and sold on Sundays. And uh, from then on, I would be like, Grandma, Grandpa's napping. You hear him snoring in there. Can we go to Toys R Us and buy some baseball cards? I had a really bad baseball card addiction as a kid. And I need my grandmother to feed the habit. And she would not do it. She was not having it. Like Sunday was a day of rest. And she told us, she said, you, we will rest. And we didn't do much when we were at my grandmother's and grandfather's house on Sunday afternoon. Now, as a teenager, we would go out to eat a little bit. I would go on a date when I started driving, like Sunday night after church became a time that I was actually allowed to go on a date. Sunday night was really when I would cram for school. I don't know if any of our teenagers or college students, like Sunday night, it's like go time. Like we got to write that paper. We got to study for that test we haven't studied for. When I became an adult, Sundays became a moment for chores. How many of you are going to do some chores today? I knew you would in the back. Uh, How many of you, Sunday became a day of chores. It became a day of tasks. It became a day, let's be honest, I know it's church, but like how many of you, like Sunday becomes a day to sneak in some work, go ahead and get ahead on Monday? Anybody? Am I the only one? Yep, a couple of you just lifting a finger. Yeah, safe space. Um, And so uh, I'll be honest, this is a struggle for me. If you make me list the Ten Commandments, which we're going to read today, like this one for me, if, if we were to rank them in order, this one doesn't feel as heavy. Like do not murder and take one day off a week don't seem in my mind to have the same level of importance, right? Can we agree that 
not murdering or not committing adultery do in our minds seem more important than taking one day off a week. And yet that's what the scriptures are going to call us to today. And this one for me is a struggle. In Acts 20, verse 27, don't look it up, but it says, uh, Paul says that pastors and teachers are commanded to teach the whole counsel of God. We're to teach everything. And so I'm not just up here to tell you the stuff you want to hear. I'm not here to just, a pastor doesn't need to just tell you you're awesome and give you positive vibes every week. Like there's sometimes that we need the Holy Spirit to break us down so that God can rebuild our hearts. And I don't even get to just preach the stuff to you that I don't struggle with. This one's a real struggle for me if I'm being honest. And so we preach God's word. We hold up the Bible as a church to call us to repent, to turn, and to believe, and then to follow Christ well, to follow him and capture his heart and let him have us as we depend on him. And so we're starting this series not so fast because it feels like the world is being shot out of a cannon if we're not careful. I read this article the other day from medium.com. It's called, it was said, the title of it's called Ditch the Rat Race. It's been written here in the middle of, toward the end of pandemic. And it says this, this is powerful. This is not a Christian publication at all. It says the way we have normalized the rat race style of work ethic in the U.S. is unsustainable. We've, we're overworked, burnt out, and this is a crazy phrase. We're overworked, burnt out, anxious shells of what we were supposed to be. Man, there's some moments where the culture is going to prophesy over us as human beings. That is a prophetic word. We are anxious shells of what we were supposed to be. This is part of the reason why so many of us are chafing under lockdown. We don't know how to sit still. We were never allowed to. And it goes on. It talks about how, and I don't agree with all its conclusions, how in a capitalistic system we're all just supposed to be producers and we're not allowed to be human as long as the machine keeps going, we're okay. And the conclusions it comes to, I don't agree with because I don't believe that our problem is necessarily working 10 hours less a week or getting paid more. I believe we have a heart problem and everything that flows, everything God wants to do in us flows from our hearts out into our lifestyle. And so we can have a national mandate of a $40 an hour minimum wage and a mandate that we only work 30 hours a week, which is some of the things that the article promotes, and our hearts can still be just as busy and we can still be anxious shells of ourselves because our problem is a heart problem. We need a savior to rescue us from ourselves. And so with that said, let me read to you Exodus 20. And as we get going, let me just ask a couple of questions. Do you think life today is set up to let you sit back and take a break? Do you think the world is set up to let you do that? Is there anything in your life, if you were thinking about your calendar, I left my phone in the back, but if you were thinking about your calendar, is there anything in your life that needs to go that's adding to the busyness and the turning you into an anxious shell of yourself? Uh, and then what, and this is such a good question as we get going today, what pace would Jesus, the good shepherd, have you live with? What does Jesus want you to let go of in your life, if anything, you and I to let go of? So Exodus 20, almost 2,000 years before Jesus would be born, God was creating a covenant people, the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, the Israelites. And at the beginning of their departure from slavery, moving into what would become the promised land, 
God lays down 10 commandments that will be the guiding ethic for their culture. And Juliana, I'm just going to read the one um, verses 8 through 11 here. I'm sorry to mess, mess you up a little bit. I'm not going to read you all 10 commandments today, though you might, if you've never read them, you might go and read them because it's amazing how many of them we think we know and we don't know. Um, and you might just go sit with them this week a little bit. But let me read to you the fourth commandment. It says this, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." Now, the ancient Hebrew word Sabbath just means, uh, it's the, 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 the Jewish word is Shabbat, it just means to cease or to end or to rest. Now, I love the idea of it meaning to end because literally God created for six days and then God ended his week. He Sabbathed on the seventh day. He paused, he ceased, he rested on the seventh day. And so the Shabbat, the Sabbath is so critical to a Jewish culture and ought to be probably more critical to who we are as followers of Jesus. So I want to just go by and look at five words or phrases really quickly in the verses, and then I want to talk about the implications of them like we do most Sundays. One, he says, remember, the first thing it says. Now, it doesn't do this. If you look at the other Ten Commandments, the other Ten Commandments don't all begin with remember, but this one begins with remember. Because this one, I think, may be the one that we might be most prone to forget. Remember the Sabbath day because we're quick to forget. Our phones greet us every morning. Scott and I were talking about which app you start with every day. Everybody's got our two or three apps most of us start with. Our our phones start us off on the racetrack every morning, living in a 24-7 news cycle and sports cycle and entertainment cycle keeps us busy. Carson and I were talking this week. He was like, man, it's a great time right now because there's so much going on in culture that he's able to think on and talk on with his work. And that's so powerful and true. There's a lot going on and the culture conspires against us remembering to keep a Sabbath day, to keep a rest day, life and work in 2021, the demands of our economy, our perspective. I read a great book a couple of years ago that talked about how what we love the most um, becomes our worship cycle. And I was even, and, and the guy in the book even makes the case that we have a new calendar that's our shopping cycle, right? And so we're taught to worship the economy and we have high holy days. Like it's September 19th, which means Christmas decorations are probably already out at Hobby Lobby, right? Like we go to like, you can't even get through Halloween and then it's Christmas and then it's, you know, our just, our life, there's just this rhythm, this unholy, unhealthy rhythm to our lives. And so the scriptures say, remember, because we're prone to forget. My hope is that this series, uh, Not So Fast, will help you remember what God says in his word about rest. The second thing the verses say, says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, when I hear holy, I just think of angels with harps and wings and diapers. But when The scripture talks about holy. When the Bible talks about holy, that just means to set it apart. It means to take something 
and put it over here and put it separate from everything else. Remember to keep it holy. Not all days are equal in God's eyes. Out of the seven, not all are equal. In God's eyes, one of the seven is very different. And so God commands us, keep it holy, keep it set apart to the Lord. Keep it set apart. It's going to say in a moment, to the Lord or for the Lord, not for ourselves. Keep it holy, not for you, not for me, not for anything, but keep it set apart to the Lord. And then the next thing it says, six days you will labor and do all your work. In other words, and I didn't understand this for years. I thought there were six days that we could work, but then on the seventh day we rested, but we also did our chores. As long as we weren't getting paid for the work, then it was cool, right? Like it was not working our job, like the W-2 or 1099 thing that we were supposed to rest from. But what it's talking about, what the scripture is calling to us to, what God is commanding of his covenant people is that we would set a, a, a day aside that would be totally, as much as possible, a day of rest. Do our work work and do our housework. And there's to be one day without any work. Now, some of you, and maybe even some people who are watching online but aren't watching live, you're watching later in the week because your job demands that you work on Sunday. And those people need to be in the covenant community of God's people as well. The beautiful thing is that the scriptures here don't name the day. It doesn't say keep Sunday holy. It doesn't say keep Saturday holy. Literally, in the original Hebrew language, what it says is six days work, one day rest. It doesn't name the day. One of the days of the six needs to be a day without work. It doesn't have to be Saturday. It implies Saturday in the Jewish scriptures. That's the Jewish person's um, Sabbath day to this day, but it's not mandated. And all that is rooted out of creation. The week began with Sunday. God spoke and created everything. And, and in the Jewish calendar, the week begins on Sunday. So Sunday, God worked. Monday, God worked. Tuesday, God worked. Wednesday, God worked. Thursday, God worked. Friday, God worked. Six days. On the seventh day of the Jewish week, God rested. He took rest from all his creation and he declared that it was all very good. And so somebody might object and say, dude, I get it, but look, it's 2,000 years ago, bro. Why do I got to take a day off? Don't you understand that the world is much faster today than it was 4,000 years ago when Moses was writing this down uh, or God was giving him the Ten Commandments? I think I would say this if you have an objection and say that the world is too difficult. These were farming people. Uh, these were shepherds. Sheep don't take a day off. Crops can use water every single day. It was just as difficult for ancient people to trust God with that seventh day as it would be for us sophisticated modern people. This has been equally a temptation across all cultures, all economies, all societies for all of human history. And yet God calls us to remember it and to labor for six days. And then I love it. God knows how... <laughs> God knows what cheaters we are. Uh, if you ever play a game with Noah, my oldest, understand that if you're playing checkers, he's playing chess mentally. That joker will cheat you. He will bend the rules so fast. Uh, he will always find a way to manipulate the rules to his advantage. And his brother Owen is such a sucker. 
And I'm like, I mean, rules come in card games that you have never heard of. Our favorite game right now is Exploding Kittens. It's an amazing game. And uh, if you're playing Exploding Kittens, Noah can make up rules to Exploding Kittens that have never existed. I mean, it's unbelievable. And God knows that we are all cheaters, that we all like to game the system. And so what does it say? It says, on that day, you don't work, your son doesn't work, your daughter doesn't work, your employees don't work. Your livestock doesn't work because what do we want to do? We want, like the ancient Jewish people, just like us, want to roll up into church and be like, I'm taking the day off while all your employees are working. Your kids are doing chores. I've got the boys out washing the car, vacuuming, cleaning the litter box. And I'm like, Lord, I'm taking the day off. And the Lord says, no, 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 no. Everything under your control is to take a day off. Just like God let everything rest from under his control. God wants us to let everything under our control take a day as well. No cheating. This is the Hobby Lobby principle, the Chick-fil-A principle, the Jenny's Pizza principle here in Charlestown. I love Joey over at Jenny's. He says, you know, I take a day off because my people need a day off. Could he take a day off and make them work? He absolutely could, but he doesn't. Could Chick-fil-A, a Chick-fil-A biscuit, we were talking about this, New Englanders, you secretly love Chick-fil-A, but you will never admit it publicly, and I get it. Like, but if you eat Chick-fil-A, it never sounds better than on a Sunday. But you can't get it on a Sunday. They force their employees to take a day off. Hobby Lobby, same principle. They have their employees take a day off because they, most of it is an obedience to this scripture right here. There's no cheating. Don't have your employees work while you take a day off, if at all possible. And if it can't be one day a week when you shut your business down, then make sure that your employees are getting one day off out of every seven. That's what the scripture calls us to. And then I love how it ends. Therefore, it says, the Lord made heaven and earth. He did it and, and he rested in the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. The Lord made it all in six and he rested for one and says, the Lord blessed the seventh day. Not Saturday, not Sunday. It says, the Lord blessed the rest day. The Lord blessed the rest day and he made it holy. What time is it? Because there's something I want to tell you here if it's not in my notes. When you choose to take a Sabbath day, a rest day, one of seven, here's what happens. If you set it apart and you say, I'm going to set this day apart, I'm going to make it holy, then guess what happens? The Lord will bless you. And if you bless the one day and you set apart one day to be as restful as possible, guess what happens? God will take it and he will make you holy. So God blessed the day and made it holy. And as we bless it, God makes us holy. And as we make the day holy, God blesses us. There's principle and grace written into this thing in a beautiful, powerful way. Now, um, for, this provokes three questions as well for those who say, well, dude, I don't want to take a day off. First question, do you think you're more important than God? That's the question I've had to ask myself. The other day I was Sabbathing. Usually Friday is my Sabbath. Friday I was Sabbathing, trying to really intentionally take a day off, and I did an email for work. And the Holy Spirit, you're like, dude, it's just an email. doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit of God put his thumb on my colon, it felt like. And he was like, hey, what are you doing, dum-dum? You're supposed to be taking a day to rest. You're tired. And the Lord Spirit, I believe, spoke to me in a really inaudible, didn't like God part of the sky. But it's, do you think you're more important than God? God took one day off in seven. You think you're more important than him? Second question it provokes, do I have more to do? 
than create everything in a single week? Like if God made the universe in six days and rested, like is my work more important than creating the universe or is it more expansive than making the universe? Like we've been watching the, multi, uh, the MCU movies and, you know, and all of them, they're talking about the multiverse. I'm like, well, if there are multiple universes, God is the God of them as well. And he made all of them. So even if there's multiverse, God took a day off from creating the universe, the multiverse, whatever, all of everything that has ever been created, Everything except God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, existing in Trinity. Everything was made in six days, and God took a day of rest. And if I can't take a day of rest, what I'm saying is, God, what I am doing is bigger and more important than creating everything. And then the third question it provokes is, do I have more energy and better perspective than God? A person who cannot take a day off is saying, God, I have more energy than you and I have a better perspective than you, and I, can, I cannot and I will not do this. And that is a dangerous perspective. And that is why it's, it's a commandment. And it's listed before, don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't lie, don't steal, don't covet. Honor your mom and dad because of the implications of it. And so when I don't Sabbath, I think we have a slide up for this. <laughs> We were joking about that this morning. When I don't Sabbath, I borrow from worship to pay work. I'm going to save you slowly, and we're going to put them up on Instagram in a little bit. When I don't Sabbath, I borrow from worship to pay work. I borrow from the future to pay the present, and I borrow from God to pay people. When I don't Sabbath, I borrow from worship to pay work, from future to pay present, from God to pay people. I want us to be a Sabbath people, Christ Church, Charlestown, who see Sabbath. And this is the notes. If you're taking notes, here's the four things I want us to see Sabbath as. One, I want us to see Sabbath as countercultural. Now, let me read to you really quickly Deuteronomy 5.15, if I might. This is another version of the Ten Commandments that was sort of reinterpreted for the Jewish people 40 years after the original Ten Commandments. Same commandments, just contextualized a little differently. At the end of commandment four, the Sabbath day, it says, you remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. When we don't Sabbath, when we don't take one in seven to rest, here's what happens. We, um, we are living like God is a slave master who is no different than the Egyptian Pharaoh. So we're to be countercultural. First uh, Peter 2.9. Uh, I, I think Juliana's going to throw it up in the ESV. In the old King James written hundreds of years ago, it says, you are to be a peculiar people. Christians need to be different. We need to have a different view of money and work and sex and relationships and witness and mission and all of those things. We are to be, the scripture tells us, a peculiar people in all things that we need to be weirdos. But our life needs to stand out enough that people who are under a different master than the Lord God of the universe look at us and go, why is your quality of life better than my quality of life? And how we work and relate to our day off shows that we have a different master, a different king, a better king, a good King Jesus. Sabbathless Christians are free people living like slaves and enslaving others. 
So we're to be a countercultural, see Sabbath as countercultural too. We're to see Sabbath as a witness. Ephesians 5 calls us to live as children of light living in darkness. Sabbath says to an overworked society, God is good. He's got this. He loves me. When you take a nap on Sunday while everybody is working like crazy, what you are saying to your overworked, tired friends is, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And I can sleep and snore and not go to the shoe store and Toys R Us or whatever because the Lord's got the details of my life under his control. Your best witness may be a sanctified nap. How many of you are Sunday afternoon nappers? I believe that the PGA Tour and NASCAR were literally created and, and have their matches on Sunday so that God's people can put those boring sports on the television and fall asleep. NASCAR and golf were created so God's people can watch cars just make perpetual left turns for 500 laps and you can fall asleep. Men are to take a stick and hit a round object into a hole hundreds of yards away. It is so boring on Sunday afternoon, literally just so that God's people can take a good nap. Like that may be your best witness to our world. Number three, uh, I want us to be a Sabbath people who see Sabbath as a grace. Is grace. It's easy to think of all Ten Commandments as a prohibition, something you can't do, as a rule, a mean rule, in fact. How dare God tell me I can't lie? How dare God tell me I've got to take a day off? How dare God tell me I not have anything beside him? These are rules, and I don't know how you were raised, but I was raised to think that like, if I did those things, I might go to hell. If I didn't, like, didn't go to hell, like, God might at least like strike me with, smite me, almighty oh, smiter, since Nick mentioned the word smiting earlier, like, that God might smite me. The truth is the Ten Commandments are not to be dang it gotcha rules as much as they're meant to be grace gifts that cause us to say thank you. That causes us to say thank you. We aren't robots with endless batteries or slaves who are only property. God's creation, creations, God's children are given permission to rest. I love what Isaiah, I never read this verse till the other day, I confess. Isaiah 58, I've read it, but it never come alive to me. Isaiah 58, 13 and 14 says this. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight... And the holy day of the Lord, honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure. Juliana, don't go to 14 yet. Or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly. Do you see that we're setting aside a day for God? You want to see what's going to happen? Is God going to say, well, then I'll take away your punishment? I want to show you verse 14, what God says he will do if we set aside a day. Now go to 14. Then you will take delight in the Lord. And I love this. If you write in a paper Bible, underline this. Because I've read this probably 10 times in my life and it never stuck. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. What a phrase. I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I don't even know what that means. But man, it sounds fun. I don't even know what that means. Like if you keep the Sabbath, I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. God will let us ride on the heights of the earth 
if we set aside a day to just rest and honor him and worship him. And the fourth thing leading into that, why we need to be a Sabbath people, we need to see it as a gift to God and worship. We come to church, we sing, we hear and receive God's words via the sermon, through talking and getting coffee afterwards and before. You may go home and you feast today. Sunday is always like a special food day. I love eating out with you or eating out with the family or having a big meal. Sunday may be a feast day. It may be a nap day for some of you. Um, it, It needs to be for all of us a day where our soul rests and trusts in God. And some of you may say, in, in, in a totally fair objection, I can't do Sunday. My work schedule doesn't allow me. Okay, don't do Sunday. Pick another day. Like I said, Sunday, it's kind of tough for me to take a full day off. I don't know if you noticed. Like, this is, most people think this is the one day of the week I do work. So, like, I, you know, this is a work day for me. Friday's our Sabbath day. If you call or text me on Friday, there may be a lot of Fridays where I don't answer. I, I I have to obey this principle too as best I can in following the Lord. Some of you may say, I work three jobs, two jobs. I can't get a day off. At some point during your week, set aside time to rest and honor Christ. And if it's Sunday, church is part of your rest. If you're serving God's people on mission, serving is actually part of your rest. But we don't want you to become robots here. That's why we want everyone serving so that no one is having to serve every single week. You stepping up on that day of rest is allowing other people to have rest as well, okay? And so that's awesome. Now, I got to tell you my favorite part in this whole sermon. It's the last part. Look, we're right here toward the end, right? We're almost done. This is so good. Before Jesus, the Sabbath day was Saturday for the Jewish people, okay? So let's get it. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and God rested on the seventh day, and therefore the Jewish people saw it as holy. They rested from their work. Do you understand? You see that? They worked, they rest, they rest from work. Jesus rose on what day? Sunday, the first day of the week. And in a controversial move that literally is one of the most compelling witnesses to the fact that the, the validity of Jesus's resurrection, one of the most compelling witnesses is that Jewish people changed the Sabbath day, the worship day, the rest day from Saturday to Sunday. Now, why does that matter? They did it to honor Jesus's resurrection on the first day of the week, but here's a beautiful implication of it. Christ's resurrection means that the work of redemption is finished. You never will add anything to God's salvation. If you've given your life to Christ, if you are his child in relationship with him, you cannot add anything to your salvation. You cannot take anything away from it. When Jesus rose from the tomb on Resurrection Sunday, it was God saying, game over, I win. Satan, you lose. Sin, you lose. God is in control. Jesus is the victorious king. Here, though, is an implication. Starting the week with Sabbath means that we, God's people, work from rest, not to rest. Jewish people work to rest. God's people, Sunday, we work from rest because Jesus has done everything. We don't add anything. So when I work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday... I'm working 
from rest. My week starts and your week starts as the people of God resting in the fact that we are not slaves, that Jesus has accomplished our salvation. We work from rest, not to rest. We need a Sabbath uh, for the Lord. We need to Sabbath for the Lord. Jesus did all of this for us. Let me call you to repent and believe the gospel. I don't want to give you a pep talk because I don't need a pep talk on this one. I sin on this one. I sin. There are Sundays or Fridays where I work, and there are times where I go seven days and don't even take a breath. And Friday, the Lord told me, he said, first of all, before you get up and call people to Sabbath, why don't you try to take a a day off, big guy? And so Friday, I, I truly took a day off. I put my phone away. I put work away. I did that one stupid email when I came up here to drop the kids off for music class with Nick. And the Holy Spirit convicted me, and I put my computer away like it was about to burn my hands. And you know what happened by the end of the day? I realized, I don't know if this ever happens to you, how tense I was, how my body was just tense and wound up. And I went back home after music. I just sat in my chair, and I just said, Lord, thank you. I don't have to hold it all together. I don't have to be uptight. You're in control of the universe. You took a day off. I can take a day off. And I just listened to my body and my soul tell me how busy I was and how unrested I was. We need to repent of that busyness. If our body is holding so much tension because we're not taking days off, that's a good sign. We need to repent and rest and Sabbath and who Jesus is and what he's done. Let me pray for us. God, for anyone here watching online who um, has never given their life to you. I pray that they would do so today, God. We, as we read the Ten Commandments, we have such a funky relationship with them. On some level, we, the law, the commandments are given to those who don't know you yet so that they would be convicted of their inability to live them out. So God, if there's anyone in here who says, oh, I'm not a believer, God, I pray that they wouldn't take those Ten Commandments or any other laws and try to start living them out. I pray that the commandments would be the guilty verdict and that we would then turn to the Savior who fulfilled and was not guilty, who did not break the commandments, and we would exchange his guiltlessness for our guiltiness. And God, we would be part of your family. I pray that if anybody's listening or sitting in the room who's never given their life to you, I pray that they would turn from self and um, autonomy and trust in you, that they would repent of sin and ask you into their life to be in control of their life. And I thank you, God, that you are a good master. God, I thank you that as your people, you allow us to work from rest. (laughs) We don't end the week with rest. God, we start the week with rest as your people. We rest because the work of Christ is done. So we're not trying to be busy people who are just baptizing one day. God, we want to be resting people whose hearts are at rest. Lord, I pray that we would be able to do that, that we'd be able to, that we would discipline our calendar and our hearts so that we can hear our bodies and our souls say, you've got to slow down. Not so fast as the world is going back. God, not so fast. Help us not to try to go so fast under this terrible master that is our culture. We love you. Help us be a resting people. In Christ's name, amen.